Production support for Noon Edition comes from Smithville. Fiber Internet, streaming TV, home security, and automation in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com. Hello and welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Sarah Whitmeyer. Bob Zaltzberg is out this week, but Joe Wren, the host of Ask the Mayor and WTIU's News, Indiana News Desk, is sitting in. After a mass shooting at a Pittsburgh synagogue killed 11 people, many Americans fear that anti-Semitism is on the rise in the country. And the facts seem to indicate that those fears are not unfounded. So today on Noon Edition, we have a panel of experts who are going to be talking about anti-Semitism in today's America. And we invite you to join the conversation as well. You can tweet us at Noon Edition or call 855-0811, toll free at 877-285-9348. I want to introduce our panel today. We have Rabbi Brian Besser from Congregation Beth Shalom. We have Gunther Jekili. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. He's a professor of Jewish studies at Indiana University. Alvin Rosenfield is the professor of Jewish studies at IU. And then we have Lonnie Nassiter, the regional director of the Anti-Defamation League for Greater Chicago and Upper Midwest Area. Thank you all so much for being here today. So I think we'll just start with you, Alvin, if you can just talk about we keep saying over and over that anti-Semitism is on the rise in America. Is that the way you see it? Uh, unfortunately, yes, although it's on the rise globally and has been over the last couple of decades. Anti-Semitism has been called correctly the longest hatred. It dates back over many, many centuries. It's always fueled by passions of suspicion about Jews, fear of Jews, hatred of Jews, etc., etc. It culminated, of course, in the horrors of World War II and the Holocaust, after which many people, myself included, thought that uh, the scandal that attached to Jew hatred was so great that it wouldn't again enter the public sphere in our own lifetimes. Well, we were simply wrong. Uh, It has entered the public sphere, particularly uh, potently in Europe over the last couple of decades, but America is not immune. As the uh, massacre of Jews in the Pittsburgh synagogue just showed us, And as any of a number of less lethal but nonetheless troubling anti-Semitic incidents show us as well, uh, just how bad it will get, none of us can know for sure. What occurred in Pittsburgh was indeed horribly bad. Um, But daily there are small incidents of one kind or another. So it bears watching. And one can't be complacent about it. We have to do everything we can to understand it, uh, contend against it, and make sure uh, it's restrained. Otherwise, when it's not restrained, um, very bad things happen. Daily. That's that's shocking. Well, daily in terms of smaller events Mm -hmm. like swastika daubing, cemetery desecrations, Uh, Not far from here, uh, north of Indianapolis, there was a synagogue desecration. So these are smaller things, but nonetheless, they do add up to uh, a situation that's not good. Rabbi Besser, how are you helping your congregation through this? How do you talk about this? Well, um, on Tuesday, we had a... um, interfaith gathering, and that was so important not only for our own members, but also for the entire Bloomington community, that we all stand together against hatred and bigotry. Um, It was so impressive to have the sanctuary overflowing with hundreds of people from many faiths uh, expressing their support. And we can only combat this hatred together. Uh, We all stand together uh, in the face of hate speech and physical violence. Yeah is is there a fear among among folks? Do you feel now, or or I assume that's probably part of of what your your vigil was this week was to try to 
you know, squash those fears, though. Yes. Uh, as Alvin said, I think uh, for many American Jews, we, for many decades after, uh, I mean, certainly when I was growing up, uh, I didn't think about anti-Semitism. It was something that I read about in the history books. And to realize that it's uh, it's part of our experience now, unfortunately. Uh, and one of the things that uh, I've had to, I and the leadership of my congregation, uh, just in the last few days, is to, uh, we've needed to um, address security concerns and see what we need to do to uh, proportionally address uh, the threats that we face. We don't want to overreact because uh, we feel that to, we feel very strongly, in fact, that to uh, change how we practice Judaism and how we practice our faith uh, uh, radically in the face of this attack by um, giving in to irrational fears would be handing uh, the terrorists a second victory. And so we want to put in place sensible uh, uh, precautions, but not overreact as well. So it's a, it's a kind of a balancing act. Uh, and we have put in place new procedures for the uh, Shabbat service, the uh, services that are going to take place uh, tonight and tomorrow morning. Uh, in particular because there is a national movement uh, of solidarity where we, in fact, expect uh, visitors and we welcome them to attend services this weekend. But at the same time, uh, we've, we have enhanced security measures um, to address what happened last week. Mm-hmm. Gunter, just your reaction to, to what happened I mean, I guess first of all, were, were you just surprised that this would happen on U.S. soil? Right. Yeah, I mean, I've been um, <clears throat> working on, on anti-Semitism, observing anti-Semitism for um, the past 20 years almost. And um, I have to say I've been always surprised by how fast the development is, how there were different additional stages or dimensions that made things worse. So just a few years ago, I would not have I, I would have thought that it's not possible that something like that happens uh, in the US uh, I mean this is the worst um, probably the worst um, anti-Semitic hate crime in American history um, we have been um, used unfortunately to um, terrorist attacks against uh, Jews Jewish community centers synagogues in Europe um, for the past 15 years or so um, and uh, so I came from Europe about three years ago. And in Europe, I don't know anybody who um, has been to Europe recently, um, there is um, unfortunately a development that you can recognize any synagogue, Jewish institution, community center, kindergarten, schools, um, by the policemen and soldiers that are stationed in front of that. And uh, what Robert Besser just said, it's very sad if you have to take these kind of security measures because um, Jews as any other citizens want to be part, full part of the the general community. They don't want to be isolated. Uh, So that's a very sad development. And hearing that now even Bloomington, we need more security measures for these kind of crazy things. It's completely absurd, of course what these people think. We, we get to that, I think, in a, in a moment, this kind of thinking that leads to this, um, this violence. Um, but this is what hate crimes do. They target the whole community, and they have a large impact on the whole community across the country. And so I think that it's very important that Jewish communities don't feel isolated, that they feel the support um, of other communities um, and uh, these, um, I think it's called show, show Up for Shabbat that we have this weekend. I think that's a great initiative um, to show solidarity and that should be across different, um, uh, different communities. We have uh, 
um, across the country already have um, a lot of support from uh, Protestant, Catholic, Muslim community leaders in Pittsburgh, but also in many other places. So that's very encouraging. And um, so I'm hopeful that um, in the United States, the atmosphere is, of course, now there is fear, but it can be overcome uh, by these kind of initiatives. And um, the problem, of course, is that there must be a deeper understanding what really anti-Semitism is. I mean, there were also other hate crimes now recently. Two African-Americans were murdered um, last week as well um, because of their skin color. And, uh, of course, this is we see um, a, a rise of, of this kind of uh, violence for hate crimes that, um, that uh, calls for answers. And I see that many Americans... Just in the conversations I had over the past uh, week, are worried, Jews or non-Jews, about this kind of development. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just I wanted to respond or follow up on something that uh, Gunter said uh, early, early, earlier on um, about how you can identify synagogues in Europe by the armed guards. I just want to say that I hope we never get to that point in the United States uh, because. And, you know, there's been talk about, well, you know, if there had been a, a guard outside the Pittsburgh synagogue, then maybe this couldn't have this wouldn't have happened. I'm not addressing the 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 um, practical whether uh, whether that might have been the case or not. But from a spiritual point of view, I just want to um, express that in Judaism, we go to uh, we go to synagogue on Shabbat to cultivate an atmosphere of shalom, an atmosphere of peace. And there is, uh, there is an argument in the Talmud that talks about that weapons are antithetical to the peace of Shabbat. And then, in fact, uh, the Talmudic rabbis say that weaponry is actually a disgrace on Shabbat in particular because we, we want to cultivate a higher kind of peacefulness. And so on that score, I'm not, I'm not addressing the efficacy of having armed guards. I'm just saying that from a religious point of view, it would be antithetical to have to walk past an armed guard to um, enter the, the sanctuary of holiness, of holiness, which is what, why we come together on Shabbat, would be uh, terribly distressing. Okay. May I just add one thing? I, first of all, let me say I endorse everything that Rabbi Besser just said and what Gunter said as well. However, I should point out that already three years ago, an organization in New York called the Community Security Organization had trained 4,000 security guards to position themselves at synagogues and other Jewish institutions. I'll also point out that the one and only synagogue in Bloomington, Rabbi Besser is our rabbi, was set on fire 35 years ago by neo-Nazi arsonists who came through town and set the place ablaze. So there is unfortunately uh, a need for vigilance, let's say, although we don't want to become the kind of armed camp that Gunther described and that Rabbi Besser rightly said is not to be uh, sanctioned by our own tradition. Yeah. I, I want to get you involved in the conversation here, Lonnie. Um, yeah. can, can you just talk about what, what do you think might be behind this rise in anti-Semitism? me onto the show. And the first question you asked Alvin in terms of, you know, are we surprised and all the rest. And at ADL, you know, we're an organization that has been fighting anti-Semitism for over 100 years, and we take that quite seriously. And we have seen, unfortunately, a significant uptick in terms of anti-Semitic incidents the last few years, especially from 16 to 17, where we saw a 57 percent rise. In the Midwest, we saw over 100 percent uptick in incidents. We're seeing um, anti-Semitism in social media circles at a rate that we haven't seen before. Uh, 4.2 million tweets were sent uh, just last year alone on Twitter with 3 million unique handles. 
So, you know, for us, while we never thought we'd see something of this epic proportion, uh, the notion that something like this could happen wasn't so startling considering the numbers. Um, in terms of the why, and that's the big question here, you know, I think there's a lot of reasons. One is I do think that we are living in incredibly divisive times. And uh, in those polarizing and divisive times, you tend to get people to get pretty amped up and want to take some of their ideology into action. Um, that's why we're calling for elected officials at the highest level to tamp it down, to stop kind of fomenting these types of, of, of the language and all the rest. So we're really trying hard to, to compel elected officials to tamp it down and to also speak out and denounce anti-Semitism and all forms of hate at every corner. Um, but, you know, there are a lot of disaffected people in this country that are feeling as though they're losing what they thought was America. And as a result, they're looking for people that may be the reason in their minds for why we're losing America. Uh, and in this situation in Pittsburgh, it was clear that part of his angst came from the fact that he felt like the country was changing, that immigration was going to change the fabric of this country, and who's responsible for letting new people in? It's the Jews. It's highest. It's Jewish people that have always felt like we should be opening our country to those in despair. We, are, As Jews, we know our history, and therefore it is something that we feel very strongly about. Um, and so they're just looking for opportunities and, and examples of where they can take some of their ideology and bring it to the fore in terms of hateful conduct. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of reasons. And I also feel like we, you can't, I, I mentioned social media, but you can't ignore the fact that um, everyone now has a platform. And it's very easy to get out there and be influenced by other people's hateful ideology. And so when you have kind of a super highway of hate, so to speak, that's out there, that just amps up people even more. Gunther, maybe you could even add to that just the role of, of social media and how that might be making this even bigger. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> that is um, what what has been observed for, for some time when – uh, 30 years ago, people had to go to um, some places to find uh, uh, others who have the same ideas. Now it's very easy. You just uh, go in your living room and um, type in some things on Twitter or somewhere else on uh, some websites, and you find like-minded people very quickly. So the problem then, of course, if if they just spit out the hate, Often it is in forums that no other people really go into. Um, but if that they can just reinforce their ideas and if it becomes really unchallenged and the norm for these people, well, then the step to take out action is um, is very close. It's just um, that that is a danger of it in these, um, in these sort of chat rooms or or certain websites or certain um, uh, social media uh, platforms where you, you can, don't get challenged about your ideas, about your hateful ideas, um, then it becomes the norm for these people. Um, we have seen that in our research over and over again. Um, and it's very difficult to do something about it. Some social media platforms, they see well, they kind of have a role to play as well to sh shut that down or to reduce it in a way. Um, but it's not an, an easy thing to do. Of course, we cannot uh, censor everything mm -hmm. that's anti-Semitic, but we can be aware of things. And if it's inciting for hatred, then this should be also the responsible of the platforms, of course, to do something about it. And they can. And there is some movement in the last years um, yeah. But it's still a, it's still a challenge, big challenge. That <clears throat> that's not in the economical interest of these platforms to uh, reduce their number of users. And that was the thing with the Pittsburgh shooter. He had been posting, right? Well, he he was on a platform on a, on a Gap. It's called on a platform that is used by um, by people mostly from the far right mm -hmm. who get. Um, expulsed from Twitter and others. Okay. Um, and then they use that. Um, and I went through the comments after the Pittsburgh um, shootings on Gab, and it's just horrific how they justified and celebrated this guy as a hero. Mm. Uh, so this is then open for everybody to see on, on uh, some platforms. 
That's unbelievable. Rabbi Bethany. Yeah, I wanted to address the issue from the standpoint of Jewish ethics, and there were two points that I wanted to address. One is about speech uh, itself. Um, there is an adage in uh, Jewish tradition that, uh, uh, that says that uh, Lashon Hara, meaning um, evil speech, is equated to murder. And I used to think of that phrase as a figurative phrase. It's the rabbi's way of saying, you know, you should treat yourself or you should treat what you say with the utmost serious, but it, seriousness, but it was hyperbolic. I now, I now believe that phrase is meant to be taken literally, that uh, when our speech is filled with invective and uh, de- demeaning of other people and thinking of them as less than human or other than ourselves and not worthy of empathy, that that can actually literally incite uh, some members of the community fortunately, very, very few members of the community to violent, even murderous action. And I also want to say hate speech has an effect on all of us, not just on the most unhinged members of society, but all of us. You know, we, it, 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 it creates a, a defensive reaction for all of us. The second uh, point I wanted to make is on uh, truth and the importance of telling the truth and uh, denouncing falsehood as an ethical principle. You know, usually we we think about uh, adherence to truth in our personal relationships, you know, like, uh, you know, I cannot tell a lie, like George Washington chopping down the cherry tree. But truth is also an important principle in the intellectual realm. And when, when misinformation about other people uh, is allowed to be propagated unchallenged uh, in the intellectual sphere, that becomes, um, uh, it becomes a moral imperative to denounce that and to, um, to contradict and, 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 and uh, overturn it. Mm-hmm. You can call into today's show, 855-0811. We have guests talking about anti-Semitism today. Let's go to the phones now. We have Owen Johnson. Owen, go ahead. Um, I would like to ask a question to those associated, uh, the guests associated with IU and Bloomington, uh, whether you think it would be worthwhile to study the history of anti-Semitism at IU. IU... Um, did not accept faculty members um, during World War II, uh, Jewish faculty members who wanted to emigrate from uh, Germany. At the same time, I think Hillel uh, here in the 1930s. Do you think we could learn something from understanding our own history of anti-Semitism? Thanks for the call. Uh, I've been on the faculty at IU since 1968, a long time. And I can say that during this 50-year period, I've met nothing but support, understanding. It's a great place to be a faculty member and a great place to be a student. However, I do recognize the truth of what you said. In earlier decades, that wasn't necessarily the case. It also wasn't the case for blacks as well. Herman Wells, the great president of this university, turned a lot of that around I remember being um, on site when Herman Wells put the first spade into the earth on East 3rd Street when we dedicated Bloomington's new synagogue. So everything depends, not everything, but a great deal depends on leadership. And we've had good leadership. With President McRobbie, we certainly have good leadership today. Uh, IU has one of the country's oldest, largest, and most thriving Jewish studies programs. We also have one of the country's, uh, in fact, the only institute for the study of contemporary anti-Semitism is in Bloomington at IU. So while, yes, we should know the past history was blighted in a number of respects, and should never forget that uh, we've made good, good progress since. Gunter, did you want to add anything? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree. It's always good to start, you know, with your own story, 
and <coughs> to look at that in, in depth um, and to see what's, what's around immediately and in history as well. So, yeah, I can only agree that we should look into that and look maybe into the roots um, of where this thinking is coming from. Because, I mean, what we observed with all everybody said is that we thought that this was something of the past and now we see these demons coming back. So where's it coming from? There were, And we only see, of course, on the tip of the iceberg. Um, I think with everything that we do in uh, uh, trying to address these issues, even if uh, on social media there would be um, <clears throat> a way to, um, to um, uh, confine these, uh, these anti-Semites, um, but these people who really want to take action, it's very difficult it's to address that in any other way than with police enforcement, and the police has to deal with that um, and hopefully um, knows about attacks before they happen and then can deal with that. But the thinking is something that is very old and that needs to be addressed, even if it comes in diluted form. This murder, he had it in very, very clear anti-Semitic worldview. So he talked about uh, Jews as the children of Satan. He said that all Jews must die. He said that the Jews are responsible for the worst things. That he thinks the worst thing is immigration, that uh, he said is, is killing his people. So whatever that means, presumably white people, and uh, presumably he excludes uh, Jews from the white people. So his worldview is very clearly anti-Semitic. But then you also have more diluted forms that we can address and that we should address so that um, that does not get radicalized in, in such ways. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, there is this, uh, this fear. Uh, what is uh, so in this that was addressed in the beginning of the show that there is now an increasing fear in the or the division in this society and uh, some um, political leaders um, are not helpful um, in that respect so they even use this kind of fear either of immigrants or or economical um, <coughs> measures and um, then often it's only a small step for those who have an anti-Semitic worldview to say okay who is behind all these threats then they blame the Jews. It's completely absurd. What we've seen in Charlottesville, you might remember that, mm-hmm. the neo-Nazis marching there, they said, Jews will not replace us. I mean, what, how it cannot become more absurd, really. But this is what these people believe in. We have to take a short break, unfortunately, um, but we'll be right back after this break, and we can continue to take your questions and comments at 812-855-0811. We'll be right back. From the Milton Met Studio at IU's Radio TV building, this is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville, online at smithville.com. WFIU News covers south-central Indiana and the state throughout the day at WFIUNews.org and on Twitter at WFIU News. You can watch unfiltered video of breaking stories on Facebook Live. And you can get a digest of all the day's top stories delivered to your inbox each afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of the headlines, plus the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe right now at WFIUNews.org. Welcome back to Noon Edition on WFIU. Today we're talking about anti-Semitism in the wake of the shooting in a Pittsburgh synagogue that killed 11 people. We have four great guests here in the studio who can take your questions. We have Rabbi Brian Besser from Congregation Beth Shalom. We have Gunther Jekili. We have Alvin Rosenfeld and Lonnie Nassiter. All uh, Lonnie is on the phone, but our other three guests are in the studio, so we can take your calls at 812-855-0811. 
So we touched upon a little bit at the end, right, right, right before the break, about leadership. And I was wondering a little bit more if we can expand upon the leadership, not only maybe here in Bloomington, but statewide and, and national when it comes to issues of anti-Semitism. How, how do you feel right now, especially after the recent mass shooting, the reaction? I know you said President McRobbie was supportive, but can we expand that even more? Sure. Uh from the President of the United States down, it's important that voices be raised unambiguously, very forcefully, against anti-Semitism and all other forms of hatred. We're living in a very volatile era. There's no doubt about it. What we're seeing in America is taking place in other countries as well. More and more, it feels like we've entered a new moment, a very unsettled, destabilizing moment. And uh, what's needed at such a time is for people in leadership positions in politics, in culture, in religion, in the entertainment field, uh, who stand for good values to let those values be heard. Whenever we reach a point where the institutions that support a liberal democracy come under attack and begin to weaken, anti-Semitism rises together with other forms of hatred as well. If in addition to that, the economy were to turn down, it would worsen the problem. At the moment, uh, we can, we're fortunate that we're living in a, a period of generally strong economy. But it's often the case, too, that uh, a serious downturn in the economy adds to people's suffering, worry, fear, anxiety. So there's nothing like uh, strong voices representing good, strong, liberal, democratic values to speak out unambiguously against all kinds of vitriolic negative hatreds. Rabbi, Rabbi you wanted to jump in? Yeah. I, in addition to uh, what Alvin said, which uh, I completely support, I would also say that leaders have a responsibility from the president of the United States down to model proper speech, as we were talking uh, earlier. Uh, speech is very, very powerful, both to uh, create division, but also to bring, uh, to, to heal division. And one particular form of speech that I want to stress is when we start using terms that dehumanize uh, classes of people. We know from the history of anti-Semitism that Jews in Germany were called cockroaches, were called subhuman. And when we start um, talking about other human beings as animals or as less than human, we're walking down the path of, um, of um, categorizing uh, people as other. And that is the first step towards, uh, towards violence and, frankly, uh, eventually genocide. Lonnie, I, can, I want to get you involved again. If you, what has yeah. been your reaction to how the president has responded to this and other leaders? Well, uh, the president's response when scripted has been good. Um, sometimes when he's not on script, it's not as good. I found his comment about, you know, making, you know, he should have had an armed shooter really was kind of inappropriate at the time. And also you never want to engage in blaming victims, especially when there were 11 people uh, dead in a shoal. So um, on the other hand, you know, while he, he did say the right things, condemning anti-Semitism, going to Pittsburgh, those are all things that we, we expect out of the President of the United States. Um, when it comes to then going back and using the same kind of invective and objectifying people and the others and talking about people coming from the border who are invading the country, I mean, some of that language, quite frankly, you actually see in whether it be the, the Florida person who was thankfully arrested last week. Uh, the language that we're seeing from national leaders is showing up uh, with the language that some of these awful, awful human beings are then doing when they're perpetrating these actions. So we have to be mindful of language. Uh, we have called on the president to be mindful of that as well, and other elected officials as well. We have, you know, eight or nine people running for public office in this country that are tied to neo-Nazi groups or are neo-Nazis. So uh, we have a lot of work to do in terms of cleaning up 
public discourse and trying to make sure that our leaders are saying the right things and, again, are figuring out ways that we can actually tamp down the rhetoric, uh, thus not to cause people to really uh, use that in a way that becomes violent. Lonnie, I do want to mention something oh. about Indiana. And, you know, just to take, you mentioned earlier the situation. I think Alvin mentioned what happened in Carmel, Indiana, with that swastika outside of Temple Shari Tefila. And, you know, ADL was very involved in that situation. And i got to tell you, the response we got from law enforcement to the mayor of Carmel, to the governor of Indiana, uh, was nothing short of extraordinary in terms of showing their support. The town rallied for the Jewish community. And that's what we look for in a town like that. And so there's a perfect example of something happening happening locally in Indiana, and the appropriate people standing up, speaking out, and saying, not in our town. So that's what we look for, and that's America, quite frankly. You know, what we saw last weekend is not America. It's antithetical to our values and who we are as people and freedom of religion and all the rest. So when we see those types of, of acts, I think it reinforces what we really are about in this country and who we stand for. Lana, you're joining us from Chicago, and another yeah. person in Chicago Louis Farrakhan, within the last week, denounced Jews as termites. Yeah. Uh, yep. can, can you say anything about the impact of someone like Farrakhan, who heads up the Nation of Islam, uh, sure. and the kind of abusive, denigrating language that he habitually uses? It's true. You know, Louis Farrakhan has been in the radar of the ADL for well over 30 years. And, you know, me being in Chicago, obviously, it's something I've had to deal with in my tenure as ADL director. And uh, we denounce Farrakhan at every opportunity because we feel like while some of his messages may be positive in terms of empowerment and, and all the rest, he consistently then moves the needle to something very destructive and very negative. And so, uh, again, you know, the, the notions that this is only coming from the right, so to speak, in this country is not accurate. There are a lot of really dangerous forces coming from the left, politically and ideologically as well, which we need to be mindful of, and Farrakhan is a perfect example. Um, while he continues to feel like he's not an anti-Semite, um, his actions and his comments clearly prove otherwise. And we need to continue to make sure that elected officials um, are embracing people that have that type of rhetoric. And so we have called out several leaders that are, are in the audience listening to that type of speech and then taking a picture with Farrakhan, which we just feel like really runs counter to what an elected official should be preaching. And so, you know, we need to hold elected officials and leaders in our community accountable to not in any way promote this type of speech, especially when we see how words can have real negative impact when it turns to action. We had a caller who was asking about the background of anti-Semitism in Indiana. Is that something you can talk about, Alvin? Well, there was a period of time when not too far from here in Martinsville, the Ku Klux Klan, of course, was a very powerful force. That's no longer the case. It, it may have a small vestigial existence, but beyond that, not much. I don't myself detect any organized anti-Semitism in Indiana. Uh, there are uh, individuals uh, like the people who desecrated the synagogue in Carmel, like the people who uh, burned the synagogue in Bloomington a number of years ago. They were not resident here, actually. They were passing through. Um, so episodically, uh, we do get uh, these events. It's not chronic. It's not systematic. I don't detect any organization behind it. But in an age when the Internet is the single largest disseminator of hate speech, uh, including anti-Semitism, but not restricted to anti-Semitism, and so many people lead virtual existences um, constantly uh, online, their heads full of rage over lies that they absorb that way, uh, then virtual communities do, as Gunther said, uh, get organized and even applaud vicious acts of the kind that just took place in Pittsburgh. I wouldn't single out Indiana, though, right now as a hotbed of anything like this. Uh, I keep a careful watch on it, so does Lonnie up in Chicago. Others do as well. Um, and by and large, daily life in Indiana for Jews continues normally, 
although what just happened in Pittsburgh will put uh, a lot of people uh, make them feel very uneasy and and there's a lot of thought now about what needs to be done to protect the Jewish communities. This is going to take a while to sort out. Mm-hmm. Gunther, go ahead. Yeah, I just want to follow up on the different like, ideological ideas where anti-Semitism is really prevalent. So we're talking a lot about white supremacism and neo-Nazism that led to um, the um, <coughs> these killings. But there's also... Uh, jihadist supremacism that is very prevalent in um, a big threat for for Jews in in Europe. And these two um, ideologies, they they call for the death of Jews. And there is a third one uh, from extreme left anti-imperialism that does it rather in a little bit diluted form, calling for uh, for the death of Israel in, uh, in some way or another. And uh, so this is can um, all these three um, ideologies they can in diluted form trickle down to the mainstream, and that's unfortunately what we're seeing. So we're seeing, of course, the violence in the most extreme acts, in the um, uh, in its most pure forms of of hatred. But then we see also uh, things in diluted form that stem from these. Um, hateful ideologies. So what we see from these anti-imperialist um, extreme left um, that focus on Israel and make Israel responsible for everything that goes wrong in the world, so that we see more on campuses. And then Jews get attacked, Jewish students get attacked for being Jews, but saying in the name of um, this hateful ideology, saying you're responsible for Israel, you're a Zionist, and this particular Jewish student may have never been to Israel and never thought about anything like that, but Jews get attacked on campuses um, in this country, unfortunately, as well. So it, it comes from different um, directions, and that is what makes the situation um, feel Jews are at unease now also in this country. I've seen that in Europe because it comes from different directions. It's not only one. It's not only the very much on the fringes. It comes sometimes in everyday life. So we don't want to get to this level. We are not on that level as we see it in Europe. And we don't want to get there. And so it's important also to fight against these ideas in diluted forms. Rabbi Besser, have you seen the nature of anti-Semitism change in, in your experience? Well, as I said earlier in the show, um, you know, growing up, it wasn't part of my experience, but move, perhaps also uh, it's a function of uh, living in a in a uh, smaller community uh, in the Midwest. I grew up on the East Coast in a in a uh, largely Jewish uh, suburban pocket, and uh, it's been. Uh, an unsettling realization to have to um, come to terms with moving to Bloomington. Okay. I want to give our phone numbers. Just about uh, 10 minutes left in the program. 812-855-0811. You can also tweet your questions at Noon Edition. So we're getting to that uh, end of the show. Maybe we can kind of turn a little bit into what's next or what what do we do now type of uh, Situation and and I sometimes you feel like you're preaching to the the, the choir on these shows and was just wondering, you know, what's the message t- for the parents right now that are listening yeah. to give to their their children, um, and is this one of the steps in trying to to break the hatred? Yeah, this is Lonnie. I'll, I'll take a crack at this one, and this is something I feel really strongly about. You know, I mentioned some of our studies of anti-Semitic incidents this year. And what we're also seeing is a really, really, I think, just not only surprising, but very dangerous uptick in school incidents as well. And for me, um, this is the time for us to really double down on anti-bias programs in schools because 
you mentioned the proliferation of the internet and social media and everybody having a device. Well, this is seeping down to our young people, and the quicker we can get into schools and talk to them about the greatness of inclusivity and respecting difference and all those important themes that have made our country so strong and great for so long, uh, the better off we're going to be in terms of the next generation. And so, you know, I just feel like if there are, you know, teachers out there and parents seek out the assistance of groups like ADL and Facing History and other groups that go into schools and really figure out ways that we can maybe even reorient some kids that are leaning towards uh, really negative viewpoints of Jewish people or any minority uh, to really make sure that they're, they're focusing on the right things about people and that hopefully then changes their outlook and makes them become productive and tolerant and accepting adults. Uh, everything Lonnie just said, of course, I would endorse. Uh, what Gunter said just a moment ago about campuses being a venue for a great deal of hostility today against the Jewish state in particular, but also against Jewish students is notable. Now, to date, I'm happy to say, IU has been free of that kind of hostility. Uh, let's hope it remains so. It's a very wholesome campus. President McRobbie has spoken out more than once against anti-Semitism, including just a few days ago at a large gathering sponsored by Hillel uh, on campus. But we can't take for granted any longer uh, or be complacent any longer that everything is going to continue to be as good as it has been in the past. It's important to remain vigilant. Education of the sort that Lonnie just pointed to is certainly a key across the board at all levels. When needed, legislation has to be put in place as well. And as was mentioned before, there's nothing like first-rate leadership from the top down across all sectors of American political life, social life, cultural life, religious life, you name it, uh, helping to set good direction for the way we all lead our lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think, I mean, what, what the messages I saw in, uh, in the Bloomington community um, made me very hopeful, uh, what Robert Besser just said, and I saw it also on, on different in conversations that people do feel that it is also their concern. And that is, I think, very important to understand. Well, if Jews are attacked, it's for the whole society, it's bad. And it can, can only get worse if that is not addressed. So a lot of people do understand that. And also leaders, I think, understand that. So in, in Bloomington and also in the um, community here at IU, um, I've been encouraged by, even before these events, there were people um, building up structures to see, well, in case of a hate crime, what can we do? Um, if there is something that students are concerned and they are so that they can have a phone number where they can call so that there can be conversation. This, this, all this has to be an open conversation. We have to talk about these issues. We cannot shut everything down, but we have to talk about it and we have to give infrastructure that is supportive, and that's happening. So that's that's very encouraging. Rabbi? Yeah, well, um, I've been thinking uh, that it's important also to take a long perspective. Um, the Jewish people are the most inveterate people on earth, and we have survived centuries, millennia of uh, persecution and oppression. And when I think about why that is, um, I believe it's because we have always clung to one of the most important principles of all, which is that every human being is created in the divine image. We have, as a people, never let go of a vision where all human beings are treated with dignity and respect and uh, as the holy representation of the divine presence. And, and yet this is not given. Uh, this, is, uh, this is a responsibility uh, for all of us. Uh, 
and it, it is upon every listener here. And if if I could um, just ask you this week, and in the coming uh, in the coming days, as you um, go about your lives, everyone who's listening to this program, to uh, denounce anti-Semitism that you encounter to not participate in the dissemination of hatred and bigotry against any group, but instead to um, uphold this um, concern for human dignity and respect in all of your inter- interactions, because it starts with us. Okay. Just, we don't have time to take this next caller, but just some resources for learning more about anti-Semitism and ways to combat it. Um, in the next 30 seconds. Alvin? Uh, Locally, take a look at the website of the Institute for the Study of Contemporary Anti-Semitism. We post things uh, all the time that will keep people well-informed and up-to-date. Beyond that, Lonnie's organization, the ADL for sure, um, is extremely authoritative in what it has to offer the American Jewish Committee. Similarly, there are lots of sources. Okay. And Rabbi Besser, all are welcome at your service? Absolutely. Okay. Unfortunately, we are out of time. But thank you all for joining the program today. This was a great discussion. Thank you for listening. Thanks to producer Patrick McGurr, engineer Mike Pashkash, and Joe Wren. Thank you for co-hosting today. Bob will be back next week. This has been Noon Edition. I'm Sarah Whitmire. Have a great weekend. Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support for Noon Edition comes from Smithville. Fiber Internet, streaming TV, home security, and automation in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com.